0: the choices you make and specifically the way you choose to see god matters how you choose to interpret the circumstances of your life matters because what you choose to believe about him is who you'll show others that he is will you choose to see him through the eyes of fear and doubt or through the understanding of a god who not only loves us but is love join me today as we learn to see him rightly as we learn to choose love. Happy Rosh Hashanah. For those of you that are not familiar with that, it is um, a, a holiday on the Hebrew calendar where we usually take inventory over the last year and prepare our hearts going into a new season, a new year. It's the beginning of the Hebrew new year. And I, um, it happens to be today, and I'm actually filming this on, what's today, Wednesday before the Monday that you're going to be viewing this or that it's live. Maybe you're watching, you know, some other time after. But we are um, wrapping up on the Hebrew calendar the year 5782 and going into 5783 If you missed it, Johnny and I um, discussed some prophetic insight, um, just things that I felt like the Lord was speaking to my heart for my life, and then some things collective um, in our last Up for Discussion episode, which um, aired on Friday, so you can go back and watch that anytime you want. Today, if uh, you happen to be watching this on Rosh Hashanah, Monday, September 26, 2022, um, Johnny is going to be doing his Rosh Hashanah word on Elijah Streams live today, later today. So if you um, want to tune in to that or watch it afterwards, I highly recommend it. I also recommend our previous episode of Up for Discussion because I go and In depth, and Johnny um, makes comments and adds some great insight as well to um, Psalm 82, 83, and 84. And I explain how years ago um, the Lord had given me some perspective on what was happening in the time we're living in now correlated to that 82, 83, and 84 from Psalms related to the year on the Hebrew calendar, 5782, 82, 57, 83, which is what we're kicking off today. So um, in a similar way, um, I want to connect our hearts to a couple of things today. One is to Psalm 22 and 23 related to the end of Um, our regular calendar 2022 and heading into in January. We're not there yet, but we're towards the latter quarter of 2022 headed into 2023. Um, Even if you're watching this sometime in the future, I think it's so important for us to remember where we've been, where we are, and even look further on the horizon to where we're going. Um, I believe that in Jesus we have this incredible uh, convergence of both the collective and the intimacy of what it's like to be, you know, an individual relating to him. In Jesus, of course, he saved the world and he has a kingdom that is coming that is impacting the entire world. But at the same time, He's my savior. He's your savior. There is a an intimacy that we can find in Him that is that one on one. We have a friend that refers has always said it this way: a flower for one and a garden for all. That's who Jesus is. He um, he is he is a part of your individual story and your journey and your process. While at the same time, he is the biggest context of all for the story that the father is telling himself. So it all converges in him. And um, then I'm going to switch gears. It'll it'll work alongside of this, but I'm going to switch gears and talk about some of my um, favorite things that I wrote down from a recent sermon that Bill Johnson did. And um, I'll introduce that here in just a moment. But Psalm 22 this is the year that we are closing and we're headed into a new season. It's time, um, it's a time of year where you begin to hopefully connect with the Lord for yourself in a way to say, okay, what have I been learning? And I want to be intentional with those things and I want to build on them in this next season. And Psalm 22 is one of my favorites because it just. It goes to the heart of the core question that we all have that Jesus himself had. It's in this scripture that I feel like the most connected to Jesus. Like I like like I know he relates to us. Um, and this happens to be the chapter that Jesus quotes when he is on. The cross and he is being crucified and literally he he obviously had memorized this psalm and we know that he did memorize a lot of scripture there was a lot of um, teaching that he did in the temple and in synagogues and um, he would open the scroll and read and blow their minds you know how could somebody this young who's not a scribe or pharisee or you know, priest, how could he know so much? How could he have so much wisdom about scripture? And um, so we know that he feasted on the word. Um, All he had at the time was the Torah, which um, Psalms is a part of. So he, um, this Psalm that David originally wrote begins with, and I'm in the Passion Translation, God, my God, why would you abandon me now? Why do you remain distant, refusing to answer my tearful cries in the day and my desperate cries for your help in the night? I can't stop sobbing. Where are you, my God? So in uh, most translations, you will read that where it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, of course, we remember that's what Jesus said on the cross. Here he is. He's taken on the weight of the sin of all of mankind from all time. It's all on him. And I, you know, there's, I think there's a case to be made for both sides. Did God actually forsake him? Maybe in some sense he did because he turned his back on the sin that was on Jesus. Um, so that he, so that Jesus could die and atone for our sin. Um, but in the big picture, he didn't forsake God. He, God didn't forsake Jesus. Um, and so either way, Jesus is tempted to believe in that moment. Like all of us, like, where are you, God? You know, is this really how it ends? Is this really my story? Um And we know that when Jesus was in the garden and he was wrestling with the father and he was wrestling with, am I going to drink this cup of suffering? And if there's any way we can do this some other way, let's do it another way, but not my will, but yours be done. And so clearly this was God's way and Jesus obeyed even to the point of death. And so even in his obedience you know, just like all of us, even in doing our best to walk with the Lord throughout our lifetime, we're going to encounter moments where we question, where are you? The only one who could show up on my behalf right now. And I, and I can't see you. I can't see evidence of you right now. Um, and this is a very prophetic chapter about the life of jesus really because it goes on to describe the whole scene of his suffering and his crucifixion but in a little bit of a cryptic way and it it literally says in verse 16 they have pierced my hands and my feet um you know that's that is the crucifixion um it goes on to verse 22 and and This translation connects it to the resurrection. It's kind of like a prophetic picture of his suffering, his crucifixion, his death, and then his resurrection. Verse 22 I will declare your name before all my brothers and praise you in the midst of the congregation. Um, And then verse 24 For he has not despised my cries of deep despair, he's my first responder to my sufferings. And when I was in pain, he was there all the time and heard the cries of the afflicted. You're the reason for my praise. It comes from you and goes to you. I will keep my promise to praise you before all who fear you. Um, Verse 27 from the four corners of the earth, the peoples of the world will remember and return to Yahweh. Every nation will come and worship him for Yahweh is King of all who takes charge of all the nations. The wealthy of this world will feast in fellowship with him right alongside the humble of heart, bowing down to the dust, forsaking their own souls. They will all come and worship this worthy king. His spiritual seed shall serve him. Future generations will hear from us about the wonders of the victorious Lord. His generation yet to be born will glorify him and they will all declare it is finished so what did we hear christ say on the cross he literally said with his last breath it is finished and you know we know what he was referring to his active obedience his atonement for sin his sacrifice and so I believe the fact that he quotes the very first line of Psalm 22 and the last line of Psalm 22, he is referring to the entire um, chapter. It just, you know, he's not going to quote the whole thing as he's there dying on the cross. But that's what he was, that's where his spirit was was clinging to truth when he was going through um, the worst thing that anyone could ever go through. And so there's some some truths in here that I believe that reflect things God has been speaking and doing in our midst over this last year. And of course, we're finishing out 2022, so we're still in, in a lot of aspects of it. But here's the main thing that I want to highlight from Psalm 22. In verse 3, after Jesus has said, God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He says, yet I know, yet I know that you are most holy. You are God enthroned, the praise of Israel. Our Father's faith was in you. Through the generations, they trusted in you. And you came through. This is so powerful. This is, you know, this is one of those moments where you give yourself you parent yourself and you you remind yourself of the truth. And I believe that's what Jesus was doing. He was wrestling a little bit out loud and probably a lot internally in this moment when he is going through this act of obedience and he's 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 questioning God, why have you forsaken me? Like I don't feel you right now. I'm I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, but where are you? I can't feel you. And um you know an, another aspect of that could also be because i don't want to pretend to know exactly what jesus was thinking in that moment so i'm guessing but an aspect of that could also be him um wondering like like we do um you know why have you forsaken me like have he he's taken on All of our sin. All right, sorry, I lost my train of thought for a second. I got it back. He's taken on all of our sin. And where does our sin lead us? And I think that's could be why his heart went there. When we walk in sin, and that doesn't mean just like, you know, I'm just being bad. No, sin is anything that's not what the way God would do it. And guess what? We all miss it. Some of us miss it intentionally because we'd rather do it our way and we don't stop and ask God his way or we don't like his way. We would rather do it another way. But um, here Jesus is doing it the father's way, but yet he's got all of our sin on him. And I believe that it, it stirred up in him where our sin leaves us, which is feeling disconnection from God. That's where sin takes us. It, it, it leaves us feeling disconnected from God. And yet we know somewhere else, I think in Psalm, David says, where can I go from your presence? If I make my bed in hell, like if I make the worst choices of all, you're there. But here's the difference. When, when we walk in sin, we can't feel connected to the Father. And we were created to live in his presence. We were created to thrive on that connection to him. And when we don't feel and experience that constant connection to him, everything in our world is wrong. It feels wrong. It goes wrong. Things don't, they're, they're, they're not, not that, they're, they're more difficult than they should be. You, you're going to go through hard things no matter if you're obeying God and doing it his way or not. But you want to know that the hard things you're going through aren't because you've done something and there's sin in your life that has made you feel disconnected from God. I, I literally can't think of anything worse. Like that is so my my lifeline. I, I don't know how to function without him. And if you're a follower of Christ and, and, and you're not, you, that doesn't resonate with you, then you're settling for something so much less than what you were meant to have with him. All right. Anyway, here he is. He's on the cross, verse three. Um, he didn't say this part out loud, but again, he was referring to this psalm. Verse three Yet I know. Yet I know. So I believe this has been a season, and it's not too late. If you haven't really gotten this, Um, well-rehearsed, well-rehearsed over and over again in your relationship with God and in your your journey here on earth. Well-rehearsed, always coming back to, yet I know, yet I know, yet I know. I mean, to get through a day, we probably need to say that like so many times because lies are constantly coming at us Um, My sister Missy says it this way, the enemy is always soliciting you, always soliciting you, trying to sell you something. And what does he solicit to us? Lies about ourselves, about God, lies about, you know, a situation that we're in, lies about um, what is a better direction. You know, it's limitless with him. And so those are the moments where we refuse his solicitation and we say, yet I know. So what do we know? I believe the Lord wants us to, to more than anything else, know him. What is his character? What is his nature? And guess what? You can't know, I mean, really know his character and his nature until you get into the word for yourself. When you feast on on these stories and these, especially the life of Christ, who he was, how he showed us what our father is like. I mean, the God of the universe came as a man, lived here, like I've been to Israel, I've walked places he walked. I looked at horizons that he looked at daily. I experienced the climate and the, the, the feel that, that he did, like he was a real man. I think it's so easy for us to, as Christians, just kind of toss everything into the spirit realm. No, but he was here in this realm, in the flesh. And, you know, Jesus lost my train of thought again. Um, Jesus was real and he struggled, and how did he get through it? You know, we, we to know the Father is to know the Son. To know the Son is to know the Father. Jesus showed us who our Father is and his true heart. And until you get into the Word, and you see how Jesus struggled, like any of us, but how he chose moment after moment after moment to defer to the truth, the truth that the Father was speaking to his heart moment by moment, obeying him, having, uh, being empowered by the Holy Spirit and letting the Holy Spirit flow through him so that he could display what the Father was like. Anyway, my point with all of that is yet I know connects us to this place of I've got to know God's character and his heart so that when I face moments and situations that I have to make decisions or I have to get my heart right or overcome fear or overcome temptation, I need to know who the Father is. I need to know what he's like so that I can understand myself better. Like, it's like, you know, they say um, we're kind of like a car with a manual. Like you have to read the manual to understand what the how it was wired to work at its best. In the same way, the more we know God the Father, the better we can walk in life and truth and joy because we were actually made originally in His image. And the more we walk in what Jesus walked in, the more fulfilled we will be in life, the more fruitful we will be in life. We'll be able to like step into our purpose and our destiny and actually enjoy it because we'll be functioning the way our creator originally intended us to function. There's so much here in Psalm 22, but um, I just just wanted to highlight mainly that one part the yet i know i believe the year that we're finishing up um it's it's critical it's important that we make sure how do i say this that that's our go-to yet i know whatever we're looking at whatever we're facing yet i know and and you can know things in here that you can't prove, that you cannot see with your natural eye. And we've had to do that over the last several years. We've had to contend for and believe things um, that we had no proof for, that, that we had to go to a higher source than the natural realm. There is a higher source than the natural realm. The spirit realm is more real than this concrete natural realm that our bodies exist in. And, um, there's a, there's a time where you, you begin to believe that more than you doubt it and it causes you to walk differently in life. Um, yeah. All right. So again, I think 2022, the year 2022 will land in a place that Psalm 22 lands, It says, first of all, in verse 28, again, Yahweh is king of all who takes charge of all the nations. I believe this is a year where we are seeing and will see even more before the end of the year is up that he truly is in charge of all the nations. He truly is. And then it goes on to say, verse 30, his spiritual seed shall serve him. This is a year where we are saying yes. Whatever it needs to look like, God, for us to um, take our positions in areas of influence and serve and love in such a way that many will know who he is and what he's like instead of our broken systems of culture that perpetuate lies about who he is and what he's really like. Um, And then it goes on, future generations will hear from us. We declare it. I declare it now through the end of the year. This is my declaration. Future generations will hear of us. My children's children and their children and their children. And as long as the Lord tarries, they will hear of our generation because of our radical obedience and our love affair with our God that spills over into society and literally changes the world. That's what I'm here for. And I'm not leaving until I see that, until I know that future generations will hear from us about the wonders of the victorious Lord. His generation yet to be born will glorify him and they will all declare it is finished. There is a way that we are going to reflect, I believe every generation more and more and more until his return the fact that it is finished. He did finish it and his completed work and the authority that he therefore gave us to be able to walk in and trample evil and the works of the enemy is going to be seen in us and through us. We will, through our very lives, declare what he declared on the cross. It is finished. What's interesting is that when he said that, remember, he said, Into your hands, I commit my spirit. He was speaking to the Father on the cross. So he, in the midst of feeling forsaken by the Father, like, like, where are you? I cannot find you here in in this experience, in my death. I cannot find you. I just can't think of it. I mean, of all the times you want to know his presence is in your final breath, right? He didn't, and yet, Even in that place, when he said, it is finished, he said, into your hands, the father who I'm not even sure of right now, I am surrendering myself to. That was um, my primary word in, up for discussion where I shared out of Psalm 82, 83, and 84. I talked about, now. I'm just going to give a brief overview of it. I talked in depth about this idea of surrender. And I believe that is another word for us. I know it's for me, at least going through the end of this year into the new year is surrender, but it's not in the typical way. You usually think of surrendering like, oh, i just going to kind of give up, let go, which there's, there's beauty in that. There's, there's, you know importance in letting go but i believe there's a level of surrender where we know we're surrendering towards something and specifically towards him his character and his nature so you know we're not surrendering because we just got to give up and you know just let god have his way it just seems so passive to me this is a surrender i believe that that we are we are being invited into, as we're closing out this year, it's a surrender towards who we know him to be. It's saying, I let go because I'd rather it be your way, because you and your way, I know is so much better. I know your goodness. I know your heart towards us. I know your ways. And what I know of you and who I know you to be is worthy to be surrendered to. So let's do it your way instead of my way or natural wisdom or the way the world has been doing it. I believe we're in a time collectively where we are about to surrender to the kingdom in a way that few past generations have not yet. I'm not saying it's going to be perfection here on earth all of a sudden. Clearly, we've got a lot that has to happen between now and Christ's return. But I am saying the king and his kingdom are only advancing. So the kingdom of God is coming in an ever-increasing way to the earth. That means things here are going to start looking more and more like heaven, at least in, in where it's allowed, where we partner with it. And um, so I believe there's a collective surrender right now. There's a, a desire for righteousness. I've spoken into that before. That's going to be sweeping the earth. People are just going to want to be good. They're going to want to do good. And in in some ways, you could say that that is a surrendering to him and his ways. Remember, the king comes with his kingdom. And so... As people grow in interest and desire for what they may not know is his kingdom, but we know is his kingdom, his righteous ways of doing things, as they start desiring that and wanting that, we wanting governments that aren't corrupt, wanting economic systems that aren't re- rooted in greed, wanting our families to feel whole and normal and not so perverted and... Broken in so many ways, etc. All these areas of culture that when as they start desiring that, they're actually desiring God's better ways, his kingdom. And so there is a collective surrendering, I believe that we are we are entering into. And we say yes. I say yes to it. I, I pray you say yes to it too. All right, Psalm 23. This is where we are headed into the new year 2023. Um <laughs> Everybody knows Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul, Um, on and on. I'm going to read it just for a fresh perspective from the Passion Translation. And Again, this is, I believe, um, uh, a teaser for where we're headed in 2023 and what we're saying yes to in this next season. Um, The good shepherd, Yahweh, is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace near the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me the right path and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me for you already have. I love that. The Lord has conquered me. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely. For you are near. I mean, that just is in stark contrast to the, to the chapter before that starts. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I will never be lonely for you are near. You become my delicious feast, even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my cup overflows. So why would I fear the future? Only goodness and tender love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. Isn't that powerful? Um, That is the year that we're headed into, a Psalm 23 year. We're ready for it, right? And I believe we have um, some stormy waters to cross between now and the end of the year. Um, that's my sense. I will say it's my sense in my spirit. It's also my sense, to be honest with you, because of some sources that I followed that, um, I believe have given us some, some little teasers and insight as to what's ahead. Uh, could be wrong. I've been wrong on timing before. We all have. Timing is the hardest thing in the Lord, but my sense right now from where I sit is that, um, you know there's some difficult things that are going to make it awfully exciting to think of as we end the year. We're headed into a Psalm 23 year. Um, when we talk about, let's see, there was something I wanted to point out here. Um, we lack nothing. Um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Basically, I believe we're about to see his intervention in such a way that our hearts are going to be the most satisfied surely any of us have ever experienced in our lifetime. Because there's a satisfaction that comes when God shows up, when he's been long waited for, when there's been... An injustice that has just gone unanswered and unresolved for years, decades, generations. And he steps in. There's there's a, a fear that comes with it, like a like a holy awe. Um, and for the ones that are involved, a real fear. Um, but for us, I believe just watching it play out will be like. Uh, you're, you're all I needed. Like you showed up and I'm satisfied. Like what else could I want? Um, and, and in that place, there is a rest that we step into. Um, all right. Then he goes into, um, I'm trying in my mind to remember the other translation. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I want, it. um, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. All right, paths of righteousness. There is a right way to go. There is a, a positioning of ourselves in these places of influence. We're, we're all, I believe, kind of um, wrestling for, we've, we've, we've seen the need over the last few years, we're finally awakened to, there is a need for us to show up in society and bring change and serve and love in a way that people will rejoice and not dread Christians when they see them, um, where where love looks practically like something in each area of culture. So we're 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 all like yes, we need to show up. We're awakened to the need for it, but now how do i show up what's my part what's my role What what is my purpose and it's it's an important question to wrestle with as long as it takes until you know that at least for now you're where he wants you to carry the influence that he's given you to carry where is your light supposed to shine and i just believe this is a declaration over us for the year um that we will Um, He will lead us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, so that his name, so that he will be known through us. Um, And then your rod and your staff comfort me. Here he says that your authority is my strength and my peace. Your rod and your staff comfort me. Um, I believe that, that, you know, there is a level of correction that we're obviously going through as nations, as, as humanity right now. There is a level of severe correction. We are experiencing um, the rod and the staff. And, you know, that was for the sheep's protection. But it was also to deal with the enemy that would come after the sheep. And to rescue the sheep from the enemy. These were important tools for a shepherd, a rod and a staff. And I believe we're going to see the the evidence of our father's rod and staff on our behalf against evil. And against things that we have needed rescuing from. Um, This, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I just... Love the truth and the layers of truth that are in that. I think one of the layers is this idea of us um, feasting on who God is, what he's really like, while the enemy watches. I believe that, that we are, the Lord on our behalf, is pushing the enemy and evil back for at least a season so that the kingdom of God can advance in greater ways. Um, But they're still there. And we're going to be more aware than ever because because of the reveal that I believe is happening and is going to be happening. We're going to be more aware than ever of the presence of evil. So can you feast on him, on the goodness of God, on on who he is and how he is, knowing that evil is watching. And that's something he's going to teach us how to do, I believe, in this next year. Um, so, all right. Um, I think that's all I want to say into that. I'm going to switch gears. Um, you know, Psalm 22, as I was just saying, is is this moment where we see... Um, We see the vulnerability of Christ. And that, in a strange way, as I was saying, gives me comfort because I think we can all relate to that vulnerability. We can all relate to those questions and those doubts. The sermon that Bill Johnson um, preached that I took uh, a lot of notes, I just, just pulled out a bunch of quotes from him on, was the sermon that he did recently called Breaking the Bread of My Soul. And it was um, the first time he preached after his wife, Benny, our dear friend, Benny, um, graduated to heaven. And, you know, he could have said nothing and just stood there and, I don't know, read a verse, and it would have been profound. The fact that he even showed up and opened his mouth, um, preached... (laughs) I mean, it preached. I could just cry thinking about it. Um, But the things that did come out of his mouth were uh, so profound. And so I'm going to read some of these to you and just make a few comments. And I just want them to minister to your spirit. You know, maybe you've experienced extreme loss like him, um, where you are still stuck in that place where Psalm 22 starts. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or maybe you've moved on from areas of loss and disappointment in your life and you're in the yet I know place. You know, Wherever you are, I think there is um, truth that we can um, glean from, from Bill Johnson and the things that he shared in, in this, this incredible moment that he allowed us the privilege of seeing into his soul in, in, uh, this message, breaking the bread of my soul. If you have not seen the message, you may want to go to, um, I'm sure it's on Bethel TV, but I believe it's also on YouTube. Um, just, you know, look up Bill Johnson, breaking the bread of my soul. We happen to, um, have also heard Bill give a sermon similar to this, um, the, the first time he spoke, it was the day after his father died. And, um, you know, there's some similarities, but to hear how deeper the resolve has become from years ago when he shared vulnerably after the death of his father to now after the death of his bride. I mean, it's just I'll let his words speak for themselves, but um, they're important words. All right. The first thing I wrote down was his first statement The backsliding heart will always judge God by what he didn't do. But those who run with tenderness for him will define God by what he has said, what he has done. And what he has promised. In other words, his nature is defined by his testimony and his history. I mean, I think there's a part in all of our hearts that wants to backslide, that wants to question God and judge him by what he didn't do. And if if there is an area of your heart that is held offense towards God because of something he didn't do, something he didn't give you, or do on your behalf, or intervene on in your behalf, I think right now we should just confess it to the Lord. Like, forgive my backsliding heart that caused me to judge you and help me to see you rightly to define you by what you've said, what you've done and what you've promised. Um, But I love that phrase of running with him, running with tenderness towards him. You know, this life is a race, we are running. And to run with tenderness towards him, that, that allows us, number one, to even notice when an offense comes into our heart towards him And number two, to like work it all the way through with him. Don't stay in that place. Like literally people can get sidelined for their entire life because of something that God didn't do that they're still offended over. Um, He goes on to say, rejoice always, prayer without ceasing, give thanks These verses are useless unless you're going to experience pain and loss. So when scripture tells us things like rejoice always and pray without ceasing and give thanks in everything. um, Bill was pointing out that these, the whole reason we need these verses is because we're going to need them, right? The whole point of these verses is we're going to experience pain and loss. That is life on this side of eternity, And so use them. The point is, use them. They are tools. They are insight. They are wisdom from above. When he says rejoice always, it's for our good. It's for our best. When he says pray without ceasing, like live in this dialogue constantly with the Father. Dialogue. Do life in him and through him. Talk to him about everything. These are the basics of a relationship with Christ, not because... God needs us to perform and he's saying, I need you to pray always. I need you to rejoice always and give me all this. No, it's like, this is how it will work best for you. You're going to need to rejoice always. You're going to need to pray without ceasing. You're going to need to give thanks and everything. We have to have these, these tried and true biblical tools that we, that we constantly fall back on. That is how you get through life. You know, if the young people around you want insight in how to do life, give them the basics. Make sure we we invest in them the wisdom of scripture. Um, and you can see that that's that the fact that Bill could get up and preach is because he uses the very things, the very tools that he's speaking of. Um he's saying, you know. We all question why is there loss? why is there suffering? And I believe we're going to see an uncovering of a level of suffering in the earth that we didn't we didn't know was going on in our midst, just human trafficking alone that we're we're waking up to that reality slowly. Um, you know, it's gonna cause a lot of people, including Those of us who've known the Lord for years to begin to ask this question with like with great earnest, like why suffering, God? If you're God and you're good, then why have you allowed all of this suffering? And Bill speaks into that. Um, He says, that's the mystery we have the privilege of carrying. I mean the fact that he sees it as a privilege of carrying thank you Bill I I needed to be reminded of that it is a privilege to carry that mystery in any relationship with somebody that you're close to and you're intimate with there's there's there is mystery you don't ever like know everything and um I don't mean that like like hide things from people in your marriage or whatever. I don't, I don't mean it that way, but the mystery is a privilege to carry. The re, The level of revelation, this is all quotes from Bill. The level of revelation will always be equal to the level of mystery you're willing to live with. Okay, you want, you want to know him more? You want revelation? You want something to be revealed to you by God about yourself, about your life, or about him? The level of of getting more of understanding and revelation will be equal to the level of mystery that you're willing to live with. In other words, unanswered questions like, why did you allow that? Why let it go on this long? Why not step in? Why my wife dying of cancer, right? So there is so much mystery that contains a place of an opportunity for trust. And that trust translates to revelation, to knowing more of him and what he's like. It seems contradiction, but it's not. Um, he says, your inability to live with mystery is your resistance to child likeness. And child likeness is what gives us access to dimensions and realms of the kingdom that you can't get any other way. So we want insight from the spirit realm, we want to understand things that we can't understand on our own. It comes through childlikeness and childlikeness means you're willing to live with mystery. Kids do it effortless, effortlessly, right? They enjoy the sun and the ocean and, and flowers and everything. They enjoy everything when they don't understand how it works. They still enjoy it. And that's because of their childlikeness. So there is a childlikeness in us that is required in order to access the dimensions and realms of the kingdom that we cannot get any other way. So our inability to live with mystery is our resistance to childlikeness. So again, I just want to just just speak into this like pause and say, okay, Lord, we give you permission to restore back to us childlikeness. If there's anything in me that is resistant to childlikeness, would you please remove it? Do for me what I cannot do for myself so that I can live with mystery, so that I can access the spirit realm in the way that I was created to access it. I give you permission to restore childlikeness in me. All right. He goes on to say, for example, there are measures of his presence you can only find in the valley of the shadow of death. Okay. We just read Psalm 23 and he's quoting from that. Um I didn't read that particular verse from Psalm 23, but it goes, um uh, I forget now that I can't remember. Okay. Prepare a tale before me, the president leave me. Um you, anyway, you know what I'm talking about, the, the the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you're with me, that's what it is, I will fear no evil for you're with me, everybody goes through the valley of the shadow of death, related to death and loss specifically, but also that shadow of death that is like a death to a dream, a death to a career, a death to um, a desire that you've had, and there are measures of his presence that you can only find there it's true i mean i've lived through it in the death of my mom when i was young I, there was there was an intimacy with god that was opened up to me because i needed it so profoundly so in other words take advantage of those those valley experiences that you go through and embrace not the hard questions. I got to figure this out and find out. No, embrace the mystery through your child likeness and experience levels and measures of his presence that you wouldn't have available to you otherwise. He goes on to say, he's not a vending machine. God is not a vending machine. He's not a bubblegum machine. You don't put something in to get something out. He says, I don't Get to put a quarter in and get out what I want. I don't have the right to reevaluate God because I've experienced loss or suffering. We don't have the right to reevaluate him. He's not like, would we really want the creator of all things, our God, the, the, the lover of our souls in his perfection? Would we want him to be the kind of God that you know, I can put in this and he gives me back that. Is is that like, no, we want, we want who he is and who he is, is, is relational and he's real. And he's, he's not a tit for tat kind of thing. He's not like, you give me this, you know, like the Buddha that sits there, you put the, lay the things before me and then I'll give you good luck for the rest of the year. Like, you behave now and then I'll make sure that things go well for you. That is not who our God is. And we can't, he doesn't expect that from us. And we can't expect that from him because he is relational. Um, so therefore, we cannot reevaluate him because we've experienced loss or suffering We have to land in that place where yet I know, no matter what's going on around me, whether I see him or feel him right now, doesn't matter because he's not changed. He's still good. He loves me. It's in progress. It's in process. And I'm not going to reevaluate him just because I'm struggling with this particular sin and he won't deliver me from it in the way that I want him to deliver me from it. So I'm just going to redefine who God is and, and say that he's okay with this or that, or he's changed who he is because I, I can't make him who I want him to be. We cannot continue to reevaluate God. Bill didn't talk about that. I'm just, that's my little comment there. All right. He says, these are opportunities to become childlike, the simplicity of faith, to trust no matter what. So, It is actually, I believe, a form of rebellion in our hearts when we not only reevaluate God, but we redefine him and we twist him to be what we need him to be. Oh, I need him to be a God that's okay with, with my addiction. I need him to be okay with my perversion. So, so he's this and, and he loves, you know, all things, all people and all, all is permissible we don't get to redefine God. We get to trust him no matter what. Even if something doesn't make sense to us. Even if we think that God should be okay with certain things. You know? Um, okay. Bill goes on to say, he knows what's happening and I don't. So I'll trust him. I just love the child likeness in that. He knows what's happening. I don't, so I'll trust him. I don't want my why to ever take me away from him. It's okay to have a why. It's okay to be honest with God and to say, I don't understand. I would like to understand. Can I understand? But even if I don't, I will not allow my lack of understanding to take me from you, to disconnect my heart from you to allow offense to come in i don't want to be the one who critiques god bill says he critiques me there is there is a fear of the lord there is a humility that we're called to walk in the god of the universe of all things you better believe we should be in holy awe and reverence of him and we don't get to critique him we don't get to be the ones to say, you should have done it this way. We can wish, we can say, I don't understand and this hurts really bad. And be honest with him so that he can come in and comfort that place in us. But we can't demand that he do it our way or that he explain why he does it the way he does. Um, this is so important what he says next here. Bill says, God was my Lord Before, he was my friend. You know, when you receive Christ as your Savior and Lord, it means he is the master. He is in charge. We bow and yield to him and his ways. And then, of course, our relationships with him grow. And we we begin to understand him as our friend, who he, a friend shares secrets, a friend shares insight and lets you into the hows and the whys. But Bill's saying, he was my Lord before he was my friend. My friendship with God can only go where his Lordship has already been. So in friendship, where we get some more of those questions answered and understood, um, That friendship can only go as far as we've allowed him to be Lord of our lives. Being Lord of our lives means we have submitted and yielded who and what we are and our ways to him. All right. Um, We will never have all of the pain, disappointment and questions we have now. And this is our one opportunity to give him the most priceless gift, joy and loss, celebration and pain. Give up my right to understand. We have to see those opportunities for what they are. I believe that with every loss, suffering, pain, trauma, comes with it a gift. And if we dare to believe there is a gift and open it, it will give us access to something we wouldn't have had access to before. And I believe that, that, when you grow in your maturity and your relationship with him, what you want more than anything, the gift that you want in that moment is the ability to offer something back to him. And, you know, when we're standing before him in eternity, I believe we're going to wish that we had had more to offer to him because we're going to see him and all of his fullness and all of his perfection and all of his love for us. And we're going to like, like have you ever had somebody lavish you with so much love and gifts or or service or whatever it is that you're just like you want to do something back for them? I believe that's where we're gonna be like, and so these are those moments where we have these these opportunities to give back to Him, um, a hard yes or a hard. I will celebrate in the midst of the storm. I will trust you. I've, I've been saying this a lot lately, but I believe right now more than ever, our worship, like what we're offering up to him that's pleasing to him and that just touches his heart in a relational way is our trust. Our worship right now is our trust. And trust can be through gritted teeth. It can be, I don't understand. I love Rita's song, I don't understand your ways. Oh, but I will give you my song. I will give you my, my worship right now. Um, Bill says his kindness puts everything else in perspective. Lord, would you help us see and notice all the ways that you are kind? Because when we see his kindness, everything else makes sense to a degree. You know, it's like, okay, he is kind. I'm, I'm I'm going to be okay. I'm going to come through this because his kindness is going to continue to overwhelm me. And uh, let's see what else I wanted to, I'm going to skip forward here. There's so many good ones. Um, he talks about biblical mourning and, and how, especially if you've gone through loss and death in your life and, and you're in a place of mourning, he he. I mean, this is a go-to sermon, because we're all going to go through, you know, death of people around us that is that is very um, difficult. And I want to challenge you to remember that sermon and go back to it. It's it's a classic for the ages. Um, it will get you through, and the truth that he expounds on about biblical mourning will, will be so critical in those moments for you. Um, but I'll skip ahead to the end where he talks about um, every loss and every disappointment can become a seed that brings increase. Every loss, every disappointment can become a seed that brings increase. It's like um, corn on the cob. You've got all those kernels of corn on this one cob. And if you pick it and you eat that juicy bit of um, corn, It's gone. It's consumed. And it was great while it lasted. But if you take that same um, head of corn, ear of corn, and you let it rot, dry and harden, and you put it to seed, I mean, you can literally have um, thousands and thousands of more kernels, all from just that one, one you know, it's from the scripture, John 12, 24, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. So every loss and every disappointment in our lives can become a seed that brings increase. That's such a powerful truth for us to remember. So when you go through something difficult and hard, if you will allow its process to just play out in your life and embrace the pain, embrace the loss, embrace the disappointment, embrace the mystery of it and the lack of understanding, the questions, and trust God in the midst of it that it actually will bring a harvest in your life and in other people's lives. It will bring increase. He says some people never walk it through with the Lord and it never releases into our life what only God can do with loss, which is to bring increase and blessing. And It's true. People will go an entire lifetime, having gone through one, two, three, whatever very difficult, traumatic things, and they never walk it all the way through with God in a way where it ends up bringing increase and blessing to their life. It's it's the process of redemption. Um, let's see. And he ends with Galatians 6. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will reap. We will benefit and he will be glorified. So, you know, there's so many scriptures about if you if you don't quit in due time you will reap a harvest. Um, I just I just wanted to kind of like read that and and go there a little bit with you as we're closing out, um, the year 5782 going into 5783. And as we're even going into the holidays of 2022, um, I mean, I know it's only September, but they come fast, right? October, November, December, and then we're in January. So as we're heading into this next new year, um, we want to allow the pain and the suffering and the loss that we've experienced in recent times and the previous pain and loss and suffering that it triggers us back to. We wanna we wanna deal with all that and have um have grown through it and to the point where we're we're embracing that childlikeness and we're allowing our trust to go deeper in even areas of mystery. So that we can step into the that Psalm twenty three, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and um, and we can we can walk in the purpose and the destiny in this coming year that God has for each one of us. So um, I would love to pray for you, Father. I just um, thank you for. Um, First of all, I just, I feel to even just agree in prayer over Bill Johnson and his family, the loss that they have gone through and, um, and the way that they have continued to just walk with you and in front of a large audience while they're, they're wrestling things out with you. We just bless them. We ask for your comfort to continue, um, with them. We ask that your friendship would be so pervasive in those moments of loneliness and and weariness and perhaps grieving and going through um you know the life without Benny, and we just ask god that that your nearness would be experienced by all of them, and especially by Bill. We bless him, Father. We thank you for the insight that um you're speaking to each one of our hearts as we're closing out one year and entering into another. We give you permission to, to finish those things in us that need, um, that need to be um, brought to their fullness so that we can be trusted with the next and the new that you have for each one of us. So we say again and always, we love you. We thank you for your love for us. We receive your love right now. We just let your love just hit its mark in our hearts in our minds and the ways that we process things we've been through and the ways that we look to our future, we let your love just come and and just saturate all the dry places, the places that have been cynical and tired and weary. We let you in. Would you clean us up so that our light can shine as brightly as you? intended it for to shine. We love you. We thank you for your love in Jesus name. Amen. I'll see you next week on Choose Love.